Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, the commercial has this little blue ball bouncing around on the screen. It says, you call this a rivalry, Nats? Oh, hello, Nats Town. <laughs> Michael Taylor time. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and Federal, Federal, Baseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington for Federal Baseball. i got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page on the line. Coming to you after the Nationals' dramatic 4-3 comeback win over the New York Mets. Dave will start in that eighth inning. Nationals trailing 3-1. to one. Bobby Parnell on the mound had a really good outing yesterday. Not so much today. Gives up a one-out walk to Ian Desmond, who's suddenly patient and hitting everything. Matt Dendecker, who walked three times in the game, had a really nice game today. Uh, singles to center field, line drive. Puts two on in front of Tyler Moore, who absolutely tears into a ball, but lines out to the left, gets Babbitt there, leaving it up to Michael Taylor, who, of course, comes through. Two-run single to left. Drives into tying runs, three to three game at that point. Taylor steals second base and gets in scoring position for Danny Espinosa, who takes a 1-0 pitch to left for a RBI double that puts the Nationals ahead four to three. As you put it just a moment ago, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Michael Taylor with a fantastic game today. One at bat we'll talk about later wasn't necessarily fantastic, but. We'll stay positive for the moment here. Two for five, three RBIs, a run scored. Accounts for all four of the runs the Nationals get in the 4-3 win over the Mets. I think this is exactly, exactly how Mike Rizzo drew this up in February when he envisioned <laughs> Matt Dendecker and Michael Taylor leading to a Danny Espinosa game-winning hit. I mean, I think this is exactly how Rizzo was thinking when he drew the plans up in February. Um, you know, it looked like for a while that the Nationals were never going to get another base hit, but then, um, you know, they had plenty of runners on base, it seemed, all day long and couldn't come through and couldn't come through and couldn't come through. But then finally the law of averages caught up with the Nats and um, and Taylor got, gets one through, Espinosa lightly says one down the line, and all of a sudden we're talking about a, a gutty, gritty, come-from-behind win as opposed to a demoralizing um, negative uh, injury marred uh, loss to the Mets, which would have closed the gap to one game. Instead, uh, the Nets are able to uh, enjoy this one, um, you know, knowing that they've got a little bit of cushion on the Mets once again. I mentioned a situation I didn't particularly like from Michael Taylor earlier in the game, so I might as well touch on that while we're discussing him. First and second, no outs in the sixth. Matt Williams leaves Zimmerman in the bunt. He bunts the runners over, slash gives up an out leaving it up to Michael Taylor there to make contact. As our uh, writer Jim Myrick noted on Twitter, he has a 32.2% K percentage on the year, so maybe putting him in a situation where he has to make contact is not the best idea. Taylor Kay's swinging on a high fastball, chases one out of the zone, and Espinosa grounds out at that point. The Nats strand two runners in what was a 3-1 game in the Mets' favor at that point. Do you hit for Zimmerman there? What do you think about putting Taylor in that contact situation? And Going on from there, the Mets talked about how the Denard's fan being out of the lineup, basically Jason Worth as well, is the reason Michael Taylor's been in there all year and has come through repeatedly for the Nationals. Uh, didn't have a great day at the plate leading up to that, but ends up coming up really big for the Nats. And the fact that they have the injuries is why he's been getting all this playing time. Yeah, well, and he's been scuffling here of late, too. I think he was one for his last 10 coming in or something like that. And, um, you know, it was. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I think it was probably the right call. I mean, at, at, at one point, at some point, uh, these guys are going to have to come through, and, and they have sporadically. And, and Taylor did come through in the eighth inning. It, it's just, um, you know, you're you're right. Putting a guy who doesn't make a lot of contact in a position where he has to make contact probably isn't um, setting him up for success 
um, as well as, as maybe they could have. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I bun Zimmerman there and, and, and make, make Taylor swing. But, uh, um, you know, let's let's dwell on the positive today instead of the negative. They did come through in the eighth <laughs> inning as opposed to not coming through in the in the sixth. So, um, you know, huzzah, I suppose. Yeah, it's a tough call there. I agree, but it's up to Michael Taylor to make contact when he gets put in that situation. Maybe not the best situation for him, considering how much he struck out. But it's your job to make contact there. So you give him the chance to do it and hope that he comes through. He didn't come through then, but did come through in the end, as we mentioned. Sticking with the positives, Ian Desmond, apparently that Cal Ripken pep talk helps him out. Two for two today, two walks, which is just unheard of for Ian Desmond. Two runs scored. Uh, everything he's hitting now all of a sudden is falling in for hits after he was lining out and grounding out over and over again all season long. Uh, maybe they should have hired Cal Ripken as a manager after all a couple of months ago and a year or two ago, I guess, when they were rumored to be interested in him, but... Apparently something Ian Desmond uh, heard or something he's doing at the plate now has him turning things around a little bit. As I mentioned in my notes here, I'm still taking a wait-and-see approach for now to see if he can keep this going. But another good game from Ian Desmond today. Yeah, who would have thunk it that two of the four all-time greatest Baltimore Orioles would be Ian Desmond whisperers with Frank Robinson and uh, Al Ripken. Whether it's causation or (laughs) – yeah. Whether it's causation or coincidence, uh, it, it, it's welcome to see uh, um, to see Ian Desmond producing again. I mean, he's, um, he had the home run the other night, uh, uh, turned in another over, but today uh, was getting on base, was was uh, was participating in the offense, stole the base. Um, you know, we and we've remarked on this before. Um, Ian Desmond is is a is a streak hitter. He's got a, a slider speed bat, and um, you know when, when the base hits. Uh, seem to be dropping in. Uh, he can be a, a productive player. There are long stretches where uh, they don't, though, um, and, and, and he's not a productive player. He's an all-or-nothing all type guy, and, um, uh, you know, and, and for most of the season, he's been a nothing guy as opposed to an all guy. Um, but, but nice to see him uh, participate in the offense today, act as somewhat of a catalyst. Uh, um, yeah, you know, the two guys that aren't noted for drawing a lot of bases on balls, Ian Desmond and Matt Ben Decker, um, you know, were on, were on base, you know, five times today via the walk. So, um, you know, it's good to see the, the bottom of the order uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing and taking um, taking pitches and getting on base any way they can. Jordan Zimmerman on the mound at the start, doesn't figure in the decision, started the game with a 3-2-7 ERA, a 3-2-7 FIP, 1.63 walks per nine, 6.5 Ks per nine, 270-310, 3.65 line against, and 115 to two-third innings pitch so far, a four-inning outing last time out in the game that was suspended when the lights went out in Nationals Park. Faced the Mets in his first start of 2015, giving up a run on five hits and a 2-1 win. Three scoreless to start today, but back-to-back singles to start the fourth. Two outs later, he leaves a hanging curve up for Kirk Newenhouse. Lines at the center, two-run hit at that point, 2 nothing, 3 nothing on a uh, Kevin Ploiecki single in the next at-bat. That's all Jordan Zimmerman gives up, though. Seven innings, seven hits, three runs allowed, all earned, six Ks, 102 pitches, 71 strikes. Few mistakes there from Jordan Zimmerman, but otherwise it's pretty solid outing for the right-hander. Yeah, the the, the bottom line looks pretty good. The three earned runs in seven innings with no walks. Um, again, though, I don't think Zimmerman was uh, um, was his. You know, his I say should, I should put in quotes his good stuff. I mean, um, I, I thought he 
fought himself with his fastball a little bit today. The location wasn't um, exactly where he was. Obviously, he didn't walk anybody, but again, as we've mentioned a hundred times on the show, there's a difference between com- uh, control and command. He didn't walk anybody, so he had good control, but his command was off. He wasn't hitting his spots all the time, and uh, like you mentioned, uh, uh, just, just hung a pitch to, to Neuenheis that, that, that he clobbered there, and then uh, and then turned around and, and couldn't finish off Ploiecki. So, um, you know, th- these are um, instances where um, you know, Zimmerman is good enough to succeed, um, you know, with his stuff and, and his um, and his, his just dogged determination to throw strikes. Um, but I don't think he was his sharpest today. Um, but but against the, against the anemic Mets, Mets offense, they they weren't able to do anything other than other than in that inning. And um, fortunately, the Nats were able to uh, um, to erase that there in the eighth inning. Yeah, I, speaking of his fondness for throwing strikes, I did note in the. Uh, Nationals pregame notes: 67.6% of his pitches this season inside the strike zone was pounding the zone today, even though he didn't necessarily have his best command, as you mentioned, but still willing to throw strikes and keeps throwing them. So when you're up there, you got to be ready because he's going to keep pounding the zone like he did today. On the round for the Mets, Noah Syndergaard, really impressive, 22-year-old right-hander, four and five in 12 games so far this season, 3.05 ERA, 2.69 FIP, 1.83 walks per nine, 9.53 K per nine, 2.29, 2.75, 3.60 line against, and 73 and two-thirds so far in the majors in his rookie campaign, four-seamer, 95 to 100 at times, a sinker that's 96 to 99, curveball, 82 is a really nasty pitch, opponents hitting 188 against it so far this season, First time he's facing the Nats, um, opposing hitters 0 for 22 uh, after going 0 for 3 today early in the game before Michael A. Taylor, RBI single in the fourth, makes it 3 to 1. But this is we talked about the Mets pitching, uh, I think, both nights going into this, of this series. And 22-year-old right-hander they got from Toronto in the R.A. Dickey deal back in December of 2012. Just another really impressive arm at the top of this rotation is going to be causing the Nationals fits for years to come, it would seem. Yeah, you know, uh, Syndergaard, just another one of these tremendous arms. And, and much like Harvey the other day, um, it didn't have his best control. Uh, um, he walked four guys and, and, and was generally pitching in and out of trouble uh, much of the day. But you can see, um, you know, you mentioned the curve. You, you can see that when, um, that when he makes his pitch, how tough he can be. So, um, you know, a, a, along with Harvey and, and, and Matt and, 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 you know, and DeGrom, and they've just got – um, a tremendous pitching staff uh, lined up for the future. Um, like we mentioned last night, uh, you know, if the Mets can ever find any hitting, they're definitely going to um, be the, the Nats' biggest competitors in the National League East for the foreseeable future. And in spite of Michael Taylor's efforts, this can't all be uh, roses for the Nationals here today because they are, after all, the 2015 Nationals, so we have to touch on some negative uh, outcomes today. UNL Escobar takes a healthy cut at a fastball inside early in the game. I think it's the first at bat, right? Falls to ground yeah. after that. Swing, swing and miss on a big cut there. Uh, wrist injury, they said after the game, uh, MRI or x-ray, I guess they take it to the field, not an MRI yet, but uh, results of that are negative. Nothing that they could see right now, but there's clearly something wrong with him there, and the Nationals miss him for any time. That's going to be a really tough blow considering he's a – hitting 321 this season, not a lot of extra base hits, but getting on base a lot and really uh, has been solid defensively at third and really kind of just another chip on the Nationals' armor if they're going to be missing him for any length of time with that wrist problem. Yeah, well, with four of their eight opening day starters still out with injury, they can ill afford to lose Escobar, who's really uh, um, been a glue for the Nats at the top of their order. But 
um, yeah, the way that he swung at that and then and then let the bat go and um, you know this just screams hamate injury. Um, he, uh, from what I understand, he has not had uh, the hamate and the left wrist uh, um, taken out at this point. Um, you know, the x-rays can be negative all they want at this point. I'm sure with the swelling and everything, if there's a hairline fracture in that very tiny bone in his wrist, they're not going to be able to see it on an x-ray anyway. So um, let's wait a day or two, let the swelling go down, have him take an MRI and get a better look at it. So um, obviously uh, Escobar was in too much pain. He knew right off the bat that he wasn't going to be able to continue and walk right off the field. So um, let's give it a day or two and get some uh, um, some more information on it. But uh, either way, not good news for the Nats. Uh, um, you know, Escobar has been a big part of this offense, being able to um, generate a high, a high batting average and decent on-base percentage, um, and providing them generally good defense at base, too. So, um, you know, it, it's foreseeable that the Nats are going to get uh, Anthony Grendon back sooner than later, but if Escobar's down, um, it's going to be sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'd note that he did take another swing after that initial reaction, which from the initial reaction was probably a bad idea, in my opinion, fouled one off, and then, yeah, he didn't even think about staying in at that point. He just walked right to the dugout and went out there. So a tough blow for the Nationals if they're going to miss him for any length of time, if they are. And, of course, as we're noting, it's pure speculation at this point, but what do you do if you're the Nationals? Do you bring Wilmer Dyfo back up and actually play him this time or out of the Nationals' reaction? potentially losing UNL Escobar for any length of time at this point with all the other injuries. Do they rush Anthony Rendon back up, which I'd kind of rather not see. I'd rather see him 100% before they even try to bring him back up here, considering the season he's had thus far with injuries. Well, um, I haven't seen Rendon play in any of his uh, rehab games. I know that that the Nats considered him close, but, um, you know, if, if he's running the bases, um, and playing five innings in the minor leagues, he might as well be doing it at the big league level. So um, I don't think the Nats want to call up Dyfo and, and, and play him on a regular basis. Um, I know that would probably end up being the the, um, the last case scenario. And um, and frankly, um, you know, if if Escobar's down and they don't immediately activate um, Rendon, um, I guess Dyfo's the, the, the fallback there and that they would start Dan Ugla, but um, I don't think anybody wants to see that right now. Yeah, I'd, like I, I prefer Dyfo at this point at second base, throw Espinosa at third, uh, Desi at short, and go with that. Dan Elgla on a regular basis. He's a great story this year, but I don't think the Nationals want to go for any length of time with him as an everyday second baseman. But it's all speculation, as I know. Neither of us are doctors. Apparently, we have to qualify ourselves with that. But uh, the other not a doctor. Is, not a doctor, myself neither. <laughs> Harper 0 for 6 in the series after his first at bat, 2 for 14 on the homestand, uh, facing some tough competition, though, so it's kind of hard to call it, but sort of a mini slump. He ends up 2 for 4 today, but towards the end of that game, he too took a really healthy cut at a fastball. Uh, mass, uh, not Mass, in the SNY broadcast, the Mets broadcast was focusing on him, flexing his wrist at the plate at that point. Left wrist looked like something was bothering him at least. Uh, there's nothing that we've heard reported at all with him. It doesn't seem to be any comments about Harper coming out of the post game, so maybe something just bit him on that swing. But if you think you can't afford to lose Escobar for any time, missing Bryce Harper for any amount of time would be a real blow. But he ends up going two for four with a walk today. He kind of picks it up after struggling against pitchers and Nationals have faced this series or the homestand too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you want to talk about worst-case scenarios, uh, Harper getting hurt here would just – just uh, it would be demoralizing. I mean, all the way, it, it would just send ripples all the way through the lineup. I mean, it's almost 
um, you know, if you were to, to get hurt and miss any amount of time, it obviously be like raising a white flag. I mean, here's a guy that, um, you know, has had the injury bug in his first couple of years. He's been healthy off season so far, really starting to produce the way that everybody uh, thought and hoped that he would. Um, and the way that he was clutching his wrist there after that swing. And then again, after making contact and grounding out on his way back into the dugout, just, um, I think it just sends a shiver down any Nats fan's spine. And you just got to hope, like you said, that maybe something bit him there. And, um, and, and then it's a very temporary thing. And then ice and elevation will take care of it. But man, if he were to get hurt, that would just flat out suck. I mean, there's no other word for it. (laughs) really isn't Drew Storen save number 29 to 31 Matt Thornton gets the win Nationals somehow squeak this one out let me pull up the standings here just so I can enjoy seeing it before we sign off for the day could have been a one run uh, one game lead in the NL East if the Mets held on for that now it's a three game lead 51 and 42 on the year they start a four game set with the Pirates tomorrow another tough matchup for the Nationals uh, going to the first game Doug Fister against Francisco Liriano tomorrow night 7.05 in PNC Park that's all for us tonight Nats Nightly sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com talk to you tomorrow night Dave can I sing again? beat the Mets Go beat the Mets step right up and beat the Mets uh, uh, Doug has his go Nats